Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Amen. All right, we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's going to come up on the screen. Love this scripture. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it's also going to come up, says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Psalms 19 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are much more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from James and Sarah's business. <laughs> Psalms 119. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey from James and... No, I'm just kidding. Um, 104, I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And James said, amen, that's right. Church, I want to encourage you, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Bible, Scripture is so important, and it is powerful, and it is a blessing, and it is further demonstration that God loves you. It's not a normal book. It's not just a collection of stories and ideas, and although it contains history, poems, and stories, it is so much more than that. It is a supernatural book. It is a holy book, and it is truly God-breathed. Through it and throughout time, God can speak to the rich, the poor, the old, the young, the pastor and the prostitute can be encouraged, challenged and inspired. We can all draw closer to Jesus through the word of God and grow in our understanding of who he is. We, we learn who God is by reading scripture. We know who Jesus is through the Bible and we know who the Holy Spirit is through the Bible. If you desire to want to know God more, you know, you can stare at the sunset for six days. You can fast for 40 days. You can move into a cave. You can even kiss a chipped tooth of Buddha. But it will, th those things will not bring you closer to God. And you won't understand God more doing those things. You can understand and know God more by getting into the pages of the Bible. Scripture contains humanity's story. It's an in-depth look at us, our imperfection, and, and an in-depth look at God's perfection. Scripture is the same story told many different ways of man's need for a saviour and that that saviour is Jesus Christ. It's the story of man's need for God and of God's love for man. In 2021 Australia, we are so blessed because we have unlimited access to the Word of God. 
there are people around the world that would give their kidney for one chapter of the Bible. There are people that would do anything just to get a page of Scripture, desperate for it in perhaps their own language. We are blessed because we can have it on our phone, on our iPad with pictures. There's so many different versions. We can hear about the Bible from cartoons. You can have it on your bedside table. We are very blessed. Are you accessing the great blessing that is available to you in the Scripture? I don't know if you know this, but the Bible is the most stolen book in the world. There's, there's 66 books within it. It's originally written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. It's split into the Old and New Testament. Old Testament is pre-Jesus' birth. New Testament is after his birth. They say the, the Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. The New Testament is Jesus Christ revealed. It's written by approximately 40 different people, written by people but inspired by the Spirit of God, written over a 1,600-year period from approximately 1,500 BC to 100 AD. Now, there are 24,000 manuscripts of the New Testament, and they are the exact same uh, in, <laughs> this doesn't make sense, but 99.8% of, of those 24,000 manuscripts are the same. The 0.2% are differences in grammar and punctuation, etc. But of those 24,000 manuscripts, there's no compromising things on essential doctrine. There is no other writings like it in history where there are, there are that many versions saying the same thing. I thought one manuscript would be a good idea for the Bible. The only problem with that is, is someone can edit it and then it's all changed. But if 24,000 things are saying the same thing, we can be pretty confident that what those 24,000 things are saying, uh, they're in agreement and that it's holy and it is, it is not normal. The Bible app has just reached 500 million downloads. How amazing is that? You know, God's Word further demonstrates His love for you. And here's how. It is clarity. God loves you. He wanted to give you something that would bring clarity to who you are, more understanding to who you are, to give clarity to how the world works and what it is that we witness every day. It's an expression of God's love because it's safety for you. Without the Bible, a man could control what you believe about your faith what it is you believe. As Christians, we have an anchor in Scripture. Many false religions don't have a text, and the ones that do are written by one person, controlled by one person. The Bible was written over a long period by many different people, all saying the same thing. We can trust what it says. It's not controlled by a person. If I got up here today and preached something not from the Bible, I would lose my credential. The Bible's a gift to you because it's safety from being taught the wrong things. It's direction, it's vision for your life, it's how to live the way that God's intended, the best way, the way we should. And it's also instruction. The Bible's such a gift and an expression of love because it's instruction on how we can live our lives God's way, how we can live with wisdom and, and do what God has called us to do. It is a gift. And the Bible is the best form of storm prevention available to you on the planet. But here's the key. It's the best form of storm prevention when you read it and we do our best to apply what it says. Have you ever seen someone praying for a hole whilst leaning on a shovel? Someone's leaning on a shovel going, God, just believing for a hole. Something's wrong with that picture. You know, church, a lot of what we're believing uh, and praying for, God has provided the solution in His Word. If we would apply what it says, we can be holding our Bible and saying, God bless me. And God in his wisdom and love has given us something that if we do what it says, we will be blessed. Sometimes we say, God protect me. 
and we're holding our Bible and God's saying, if you would apply the Word of God in faith, you'll find protection. We say, Lord, I need provision. Would you provide for me? And God's saying, mate, (laughs) this is him talking to me. He says, mate, no, I'm just kidding. But God is saying, if you would apply the Word of God, there's going to be provision, wisdom. We can pray and say, God, show me who you are. And he says, 66 books. It's on your bedside table. It's on your phone. We can say, God, speak to my future. And with someone praying for a hole, leaning on a shovel. James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Church, God wants to bless you. He wants you to grow, flourish, and prosper because he loves you. He's a good God. He's a good father. And as a good father, at some point, God wants us to mature to the full potential that he's placed in us. You know, we don't, me and Bianca only have a little baby, but already we're kind of just like, man, we'd love him just to stay a little baby forever. He's so cute. We don't want him to have to grow up. But all that God has for Micah, for him to experience that's going to one day require him to mature and take ownership and responsibility for his life. He will one day, for his own good, need to cook his own lamb chops, wipe his own bum, and read his own books. Good parents give faith and education, love, encouragement, empowerment, opportunity, hopefully a house deposit and a car. (laughs) And then the responsibility moves over to the child. Let's read what 1 Corinthians 3 says. It says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Hebrews 5 says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand it. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Church, we should be maturing in our faith because at some point, the responsibility shifts. What does that look like? When I first put my faith in Jesus Christ as a a young teenager, I, I needed my youth leaders to call me every Wednesday, every Friday and every Sunday to see if I was going to church. Then I also needed them to actually come and pick me up. Sometimes I didn't want to come to church, but there's Pastor Liam in the driveway ready to go. I needed the lift organized for me. I needed the scripture text to me to read. I would then read it. Then I needed the, um, <laughs> what it meant to be text to me. Then I needed lots of people to just tell me what to do. I was a young Christian. Jordan, do this, do this, don't do this. Like, okay, no worries. But at some point, my faith journey needed to mature. I needed to start to expect more from myself and less from others so that those others could focus on other new, new people coming to faith, but also that I could go from milk to meat. I need to expect more from myself and less from others. This thought of maturing brings us back to leaning on a shovel, praying for a hole. Why? Because we can expect a lot from God and nothing from ourselves when it comes to experiencing all that God has for us when in fact God in his grace and wisdom has given us some things to do to see what it is we are needing and believing for. My dad's been talking a lot lately at church about a culture exists where people are dependent on the miracle man. 
He's been talking about that a lot. And it's what it is. It's a culture where Christians live just doing their own thing, not reading the scripture, not applying what it says. And then they need the miracle man. What is that? They need that person to come, that prophet, that apostle, to come and wave a magic wand over their life and fix everything that their own choices created. I, I watched something online where there was a prophet and uh, came up on my Facebook and this prophet was at a meeting and he called a couple forward and the, the husband of this couple was so loud. He's saying, prophet, prophesy, prophesy. And the prophet was like, oh. And when I say prophet, someone was going to speak the will of God, the purpose of God over their life. And this person's yelling, prophet, prophesy, prophesy. And the prophet says, <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy video. I can tag you in it if you'd like. But um, <laughs> the prophet says to the man, you know, there's something in your life that needs to be fixed. And the, the person's going, oh, yes, Lord. And he says, you're having an affair. And the guy quickly is like, he got caught out. <laughs> you know what I thought was so interesting? That man was having an affair, took himself to that event, wanted a word from God, came down the front, was expectant, didn't get the word he exactly wanted. But I thought, this man does not need a prophet to tell him that that's wrong. It was like a surprise, like, oh, yeah, I should probably fix that. <laughs> He's probably believing for more of God, good things to happen. He's leaning on a shovel, praying for a hole. It's good to desire um, encounters with God's presence and supernatural things like that, but we shouldn't be relying on them for our faith and flourishing. I teach drums, and, and when someone's good at drums, I never want to do anything with them at the lesson that they can just do at home on their own. And I think that time in the manifest presence of God is like that too, that that time is for God to do something in your life that you cannot do, that you've not been empowered to do when you're on your own. An overemphasized view on experience, miracles, tinglings can unintentionally water down the importance of just applying the Bible. And that's the reason as a church we don't do encounter nights every Thursday because what it does is we come reliant on the encounter. We become reliant on the miracle magic wand when really you've been equipped and empowered with the scripture to live God's best for your life. <laughs> That was four passionate people set everyone else off. That was good. You know, before the Holy Spirit is, is, is felt or, or experienced, one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit is to help us understand the Bible and then apply the Bible. Before the Holy Spirit hits you and, you know, you run around the auditorium or something, the Holy Spirit is for understanding the Bible and applying the Bible. Because Scripture, unlike those experiences, are not momentary. Um, it's not tied to a place, a camp, or a conference. It's not tied to your pastor. The scripture's in your hand, and if you apply what it says, you don't need the miracle magic wand. The scripture, it is for you, and it is for you to prosper and to flourish. The definition of flourish is an ongoing state of success in all areas of your life. The definition of prosperous is to bring prosperity to others. Isn't that cool? Church, prospering and flourishing has more to do with your behavior than your circumstances. It has more to do with your choices and your responses. When it's not related to adversity, trials, challenges, and sicknesses, etc., but when it's your life, when you have an empowered, graced, anointed, scripture-informed life, you will prosper and flourish. God wanting us to prosper doesn't mean that challenges won't come and that in all seasons, at all times, you're going to be off the chain because we actually need challenges, and sometimes they just happen. But a whole lot less storms will be self-inflicted when we live according to the Word. 
1 Kings 2, 3, and observe what the Lord requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. We don't need to live out the law, church, for salvation, but certainly to honor and worship God and to experience that life he has for us, we need to observe his commands. Proverbs 13, 21, adversity pursue sinners, but the righteous will be rewarded with prosperity. Church, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've been made righteous, and now it's up to us to live out that life by the grace and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Living according to the word positions us to prosper. Here's some good examples. Here's some some scriptures, some practicals for us to do. If you do these things, it positions us to prosper. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be quick to forgive. If anything causes you to sin, cut it out of your life. Put first the kingdom of God. Do everything as though you do it for God. Live within your means. Be generous. Leave an inheritance for your children's children. Pay your taxes. Pray for your enemies. Live a life of service and sacrifice to others. If you do those things, you're positioning yourself to prosper. But who knows it's not as easy as it sounds. It's very difficult. Hectically difficult. The Greek says hectikos. It's very difficult. We need help. But church, we can also help ourselves. Here's a storm you can prevent. Many of us who struggle to apply the simple things of God's word seek to understand the complex too early, which can distract us from application. We become more knowledge, less application. Put it this way. We can be distracted by unnecessary details delaying necessary change. Many of us crave deep teaching, but we've got to make sure that it runs deep into our heart, character, and behavior. Depth on top is not depth, that's height. If you think of Milo, you get your Milo, and the right ratio is half a cup of milk, 18 spoons of Milo. That's not necessarily right now. The Milo's not run deep, but you can certainly see it. It needs to be stirred in. And real depth... Real deep teaching isn't deep unless it gets into your heart and character and ultimately transforms your life. Can I encourage you, don't be a Milo Christian where it's all high on top but it's not run deep. Be careful to be high, not deep, where Scripture has not gone deeper than the surface to transform. Uh, the Bible speaks to this matter uh, of, of looking at my own heart first and to not point out the speck in someone else's eye when there's a log in mine. It's speaking to priority. It's speaking to personal responsibility. It's talking, about, uh, it's talking about change, godly change in your heart and your life. What is God asking you to change? What is the low-hanging fruit in the Word that I need to apply first before I get stuck into Pastor Luke's eschatology? Pride, unforgiveness, addiction, apathy. Uh, this, this might explain it better, but sometimes people say, man, that person's deep, the deeper things of God. We say, why do you say that? say well because of the way they talk and I would say well I think that person's deep because of the way they've lived for 25 years high is not deep sometimes the people with the most milo on top have the least amount of change in their heart deep is not seen straight away it's seen in your fruit over years and it's holistic where Christ's not a compartment in your life and his words gone behind the layers to your soul past your appearance and your speech and your family and your background and now it bears fruit in your appearance, your speech, and your family. You know, I could come up here today and explain every meaning in the book of Revelation 
and that's still not deep. Today, a lot of people equate deep preaching with that they explain the background. But sometimes we want to hear about the history of Corinth so I don't have to hear about the implications of the book for me. I would say that I am a simple preacher. I am a simple preacher. But simple does not mean shallow or simplistic. Simple means clear. I'm trying to get to your heart, not just the surface. Deep can sometimes mean muddy. Muddy enough to miss the application for me. Real deep produces real change. Holiness, set-apartness, personal holiness. Can I encourage you, don't be distracted by unnecessary details, delaying necessary change. What is the necessary change? Leaning on a shovel, praying for a hole, those things you're believing for. Has God empowered you to see that come to pass just through the applied, lived out word of God in your life? Just encourage the band to come up. The most effective storm prevention in your life, church, is to apply the word of God. How can we not need to rely on the miracle man? We've got to get into the word. We've got to do our best to do what it's asking us to do. How can I not have to rely on youth camp every year? Oh, that was me. I'd be, it'd be September and I'm like crawling to youth camp like, I need camp. You know what? I didn't need camp. I needed to just get into the Bible. And then when I go to camp, God empowers what I'm already doing. He anoints it. He graces it comes and breathes afresh on what I'm trying to do by the grace of God. How can we not have to rely on altar calls and encounter nights every Thursday? We just got to get into the Word of God and apply what it says. Go for the low-hanging fruit. If you're struggling with your pride, with unforgiveness, maybe you're struggling with addiction, don't jump into Revelation and try and unpack how the, the vaccines of the devil. Priority. What's God saying to you? What's God put on your heart to change? Are you getting caught up in unnecessary details, delaying necessary change in your life? Deep's not deep until it gets to your heart, your character and your behavior. Simple usually means clear. I'm a simple man of a simple faith and I'm a simple preacher and I'm simply okay with that. Because I believe that it's gotten to my heart. You know, I could have gotten up today and unpacked, well, I personally couldn't, but Pastor Luke can. He could have gotten up and broken down in Hebrew the entirety of the minor prophets. And it wouldn't be deep because it's not going to help you in your life. It's not going to help you in your heart. It's not going to help you in your family, in your relationship with God. God wants to bless you. He wants to see you prosper and flourish. And, and, and the way that he sees that happen is by he's given us his word as a gift, as a blessing because he loves us. It's not just there as something that we have. It needs to be something that we live by. You're going to see prosperity and flourishing, not because you hoped for it, not because you spoke it out, but because by faith, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you endeavored to not just be a hearer of the Word of God, but a doer. Church, can we not just be hearers? Can we be doers? Can we stop leaning on the shovel? And can we start to dig the hole? By faith, Holy Spirit, help me to do what it is you've asked me to do in your Word. God, the wisdom in the Proverbs. Help me each day, Father, to apply that in my life. Help me, Jesus, to not be a hearer, but a doer. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, 
a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.